Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, Batman Turns 25, The Guardians of the Galaxy Go Manga, we check in with Saga, and the Power Rangers start a new series. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello everybody and welcome back to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I am David, that is Nick, and you are the listening audience here to hear the show where we talk about comic book news and the latest books and whatever other random crap pops into our brain, because a lot of random crap pops into our brains. Yep, yep, and we use this as a safe space to expunge it. It's like free therapy. Yep, yep, just comic books and talking about... Oh, and Nick, and Nick, you cut out right when you were saying talking about something. I said talking about our feelings. Don't mm. know why I'm cutting out. But Nick, isn't it true that uh, as a as a robot, you don't have feelings? I have been told by some people in my life that I am a bit robotic. Was this and, by your and... Was this by your creator, uh, renowned robot maker Stephen Roboto? Steven Roboto is the best you could come up with. Shut up, man. I didn't want to go racist. Like Dr. Magnus of the crap. Was it Dr. Magnus that made the metal men? Uh, Dr. Magnus that made the metal men is a great tongue twister. Or I could say, okay, Dr. Dr. Light or Dr. Wiley. Dr. Wiley would have made you. You Dr. Wiley. Yeah. There you go. Mega man. Wait, did you say, did did you say Omega man? Oh, or he made proto man. No, no. Dr. Light made proto man. And Dr. Light made Proto-Man. Dr. Wily made all the other robots. Uh, though he, he like, corrupted Proto-Man after they, like, fought. In a good way? Like, a good corruption? <laughs> yeah, because that's the word we use when you turn someone to good. Like, they were well, corrupted just, with puppies. If, okay, if, if Proto-Man was created to be bad... No, Proto-Man was not created Dr. to be bad. Wait, so Dr. Wiley is the bad doctor? Yes. Dr. Light is the, the good doctor. Like, that should be kind of obvious in the naming. No, because DC has a Dr. Light, and he was a rapist. So... Oh, boy. We haven't I'm talked about... Saying... We haven't talked about identity crisis on this show ever. I... Uh, and you... Yeah, well, you know, it sounds like a night where you're going to randomly be cutting out in the middle of sentences, and I'm not going to keep going back to find out what you just said about identity crisis... So, uh, I guess we're just gonna have to forge ahead. Really? Do I really keep cutting out? This is annoying. Did this happen last time I used my work laptop? I don't know if you ever worked, used your work laptop. This is exciting radio, by the way. Uh, cut this out. Um, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to. Yeah, I, well, anyway, um, crap. Identity crisis. Yes, I still need to finish it. You've never finished identity crisis? Oh, that's maybe what I said when I uh, cut out. Yes, I I don't think I read it all the way through. I think I got close, but then but, stopped. It's a, I mean, it's a pretty interesting story. How do you just stop? I think 
now hear me out on this. This might be reasonable. I was reading it in a Barnes and Noble and I hadn't paid for it yet. So what you sat there for like an hour just reading it? Well, when I was younger, crap, when did Identity Crisis come out? Um, oh, yeah. Like a pastime of my family would be to go and hang out at a Barnes and Noble while my mom bought 10 million books that she actually did read through. So, I mean, I guess it was worth it. But uh, 2004. Yep, yep. It's nope. The timeline 13... timeline matches up. I would have been in a Barnes and Noble reading it. I remember now. It's 13 years old, man. Yep, just like your. Nope. I said I was going to be nice today to myself. That's what I said. Now, now, did you say you're going to be nice to yourself or nice to me? I said those I are was two going very to be nice. I was saying that I was going to be nice to myself as then I told myself I was going to be nice. But you've been like but like to yourself you've been like really rude all day. I mean like some sometimes I'm hard on myself. I mean, you know, everyone is to some extent it, it happens. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, Nick, do you feel that you're overly critical of yourself or would you say you're a normal amount of critical of yourself? Um I think even though I'm a failed artiste in multiple respects, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I still have like an artist or a creative minded person sort of self, uh, well, self being very self-critical. So yeah, like I'm definitely uh, hard on myself as far as what I need to achieve, especially when I don't achieve it. So, all right. Yeah. I, I've heard enough. Um, I think I'm ready to give you my diagnosis. Are you ready for this? Uh, yes, the uh, Dr. Light. You, uh, you have an extreme and nearly uncontrollable attraction to scuttlefish. And you are moments away from being banned from every aquarium in the world. That's why they don't let me into the Boston Aquarium anymore. Yeah, I did think it was odd that we just walked by it, but you like lingered for a minute. That's true. I did show you, but I didn't take you inside. You were just like, now... you were like, let's look at this one seal. All right, let's get the f out of here. First off, I I think it was hot, and second, also you thought the seal was food. hot. So wait, so no. your attraction goes beyond scuttlefish. I just like sea creatures, I guess, but also because we had to pay if we wanted to go into those doors. Yeah, screw that. Um. So yeah. Uh. We're besides s my love of scuttlefish. I hate you, Dave, so much. Um, <laughs> so we off are the here to talk about comic books. Yep. Uh, and usually, before we get into the nitty gritty of the books we've read, we like to talk about some news. So, David, why don't you get us started off? Don't try to commandeer this ship. But anyway, news. Our top story today. After a disappointing <laughs> summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. All right. Well, there's not a lot of news this week, but we still found some stories we thought were, were worth bringing to your ears, and one that you may have already known about. It's more an anniversary celebration, and it's really on two fronts. One is that uh, Batman the Animated Series has turned 25. The first episode aired early September, 25 years ago. I believe September 5th was the release date. And uh, this also means that the character of Harley Quinn is 25. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's weird to think that it was 25 years ago, because I I remember watching it when I was pretty young. It would have been about four years old. Yeah, I guess it must have, I must have mostly When it caught... debuted, but I'm wondering if we just more were caught up in 
reruns. That's, like. that's what I was just going to say. And, and I mean, the, the art style of it carried through so much. Right. I mean, it's, it's well, kind I mean, of, but it also it, ran, it ran for a while. So, I mean, four years old when it started, but mm-hmm. you know, by the time we were six or seven, we would have been watching it for sure. Yeah. Let's see what the original run was. So it ran, uh, until 1995. So that, so it ran for like three years then, cause I can do math. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about good, it guys. Good for you. <laughs> So yeah, I guess we would have been old enough to like start watching it. Or, uh, presumably, our parents would have let us start watching it uh, towards like the last season, and then like of course that led on to like the new Batman Adventures, and uh, I don't actually the really... Superman animated series, Justice League, all mm-hmm. that, Batman Beyond, and Batman Beyond. I yep. and uh, Static Shock. You know, there's a lot of man. That DC animation for a while was such a powerhouse. Yeah, it's like the thing that they were doing right that Marvel couldn't quite replicate successfully. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, we have like a nostalgia for uh, the the X Men cartoon and for the Spider Man cartoon, but they're really not very good. Nope. Especially when it comes to the animation, where right the compared anim- to DC. Well, yeah, the, yeah, the animation in Batman the animated series, especially I would say, are just is just ooh, like the designs that came out of it are, are amazing. I mean, I'm looking, right. I'm looking at just this lineup of a bunch of like the villains and they're just so classic. Ah, oh, that black and white two face Riddler. I mean, a lot of times when I, when I visualize like Batman's villains at their most iconic, I'm thinking of Batman, the animated, the animated series. series. Yeah. 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 Uh, one thing, speaking of the iconic villains, you know, everyone knows that Mark Hamill uh, played the Joker. Whoa. Uh, speaking of iconic villains Technical difficulties Hey, speaking of iconic villains uh, yeah, Everyone knows that Mark Hamill Did an amazing Joker uh, Become kind of a standard For that character for a lot of people uh, But what a lot of people don't know Is that the Joker was going to be Someone else originally And that person has finally been Revealed after years upon years Of secrecy And that person is I don't have a drum roll sound effect. Tim Curry. You know, the the beautiful transvestite. Uh, other he was uh, King Arthur in the Spamalot production on Broadway. I actually have, uh, I shook Tim Curry's hand once. Oh. Back in 2005. Cool. Holy crap, 2005 was over 10 years ago. He was the original, uh, also timely, he was the original Pennywise, or Pennywise, Pennywise the, the from, clown it. from it. Uh, but yeah, he was going to be the Joker. He'd even actually uh, recorded some lines, but he had bronchitis and they fired him. <laughs> Just for having bronchitis? I mean, that's a pretty, it's, you know, bronchitis can stick around for a while. You're supposed to be doing voice work. I mean, fair. I mean, I, I get it. It's just. You think of like, oh, if I got sick at work, like my company's not supposed to be able to fire me kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it might be different for freelance work for hire kind of stuff. Well, yeah. If you're supposed to be like working with computers and you lose your hands. There's ways around it. Well, but. Uh, There's ways around that. Okay. But I think I think what it comes down to is you're unable to perform the duties of your job. 
So it sounds like David is what you're saying is that you would judge the a person's fitness for a job based on their disability, which is against the law. No, no, but there are jobs that you wouldn't physically be able to do in with certain disabilities. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I get it. Um, and I'm talking about like, like super specialized jobs. Like you can't be a jockey. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this and someone's going to send me videos of like a, a, a jockey without legs. Yeah. You mean, okay. Jockey. Cause like you still have a butt, like you can sit on a horse. Okay. So you don't have a butt. You can't be a jockey there. Let's just leave that there and move on. I think that's as good as lost that's your get. butt. There are, there are a lot less jobs open to you, uh, which is a shame. It really is a shame for it the really, people of the really world. It really is a shame. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting about Tim Curry. I'm like trying to, I, I, I haven't like been exposed myself to a ton of Tim Curry work. So it's like I, his voice isn't very strong in my head, but well, I can kind you, of recognize it. And I'm trying to, to visualize or audioize, I guess, how that would be coming out of the animated what? Joker's mouth. All right. Uh, what, you know... You know Tim Curry's voice. He was Nigel Thornberry. He was also Nigel Thornberry? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming he was doing something with his voice for Nigel Thornberry. I'm smashing. I mean, <laughs> yes, but I mean, no, no. I mean, he was in he look I'm looking right now at his voice acting and holy crap, this guy has done a lot. And he was he even was in Young Justice, the show that you refused to watch for some very odd reasons. I've watched part of the first season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he has been. He also became the voice of uh, Palpatine in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which I didn't know about. I never got that far to that. Uh, there's seriously so so many, and he's been in so many iconic roles. But anyway, let's let's. What other news stories are rolling down the pipeline? Uh well, we found out that there's going to be an original. Guardians of the Galaxy manga that is supposedly or reportedly uh, taking place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm sure it matters very little either way, um, but it's called. Well, oh, and uh, as Nick's microphone cuts out at a perfectly, perfectly timed moment, uh, go ahead and tell us the name again. It is mm, Guardians of the Galaxy Galaxy Rush. And it's being created by Kohi Uchida, uh, and it will be serialized weekly on the Manga Box app out of Japan. No print or North American edition has been announced, though I imagine at some point it's a matter of time. Very true. And for those curious what this is going to be about, uh, it takes it has to do with a space race called the Galaxy Rush that takes place in Vanaheim, one of the Ten Realms. So in one of like the obscure realms that has no effect on anything that goes on in our realm. Right. It's kind of cool, though, in a sense that it's both, you know, a Marvel space comic, um, but also utilize, you know, Thor and Thor can be very space, but it's taking place in, a, you know, one of the mystical realms of mm-hmm. um, the world tree and, and uh, Thor and Norse mythology. So that that's that's pretty interesting. I'm wondering if that means that someone like Thor will make an appearance or not. Um, I imagine they might show like a passing reference, but I doubt they're going to be like, and Thor's here for three panels. I don't know. You never know. Well, but uh, but then, but then when they all meet up, then how would he not be like, oh yes, that time we met during the galaxy rush. That's my ignored, I guess. If, if, if it's true that this is taking place again, it's reported that it's taking place within the cinematic universe Mm -hmm. and it's not like, 
it's not like the movies are going to pay lip service to a manga that only That's the Japanese the only, yeah, are going to only came read. out in Japan. Yeah. The Japanese market's um, real huge. And that baby Groot is, like, weirdly muscular. I mean, he's, he's just wood. He's just made out of wood. He's giving me wood. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I've never read anything by Kohi Uchida, the person that's doing uh, um, creating the manga. Tried looking him up. I can't really find anything that he's done. I'm so, I feel like you would have done something. I mean, I guess they could have just handed it to a guy that's never done anything, but that would seem it could be like an in-house guy for this studio. Usually, well, usually I feel like they would just say a studio's doing it, not a. Um... Well, apparently, it's also the name of a Japanese football player. Yeah, that's what I keep coming up against. Um, but yeah, it's just the football player. So apparently a Japanese football player, that's what we have to go with is, uh, going to be writing and drawing this comic for Japanese audiences. So that's, <laughs> I can't guarantee this is legitimate news, but that's what we're going to tell you. Yep. That's so. what we want you to tweet it. We want you to tell all your friends, put it up on your blogs. Uh, I'm trying to think of other jargon. Put it on the bulletin board at work. Uh, you yeah. know that that one that Karen keeps putting up flyers for her like improv like her improv shows. That, Are you like, Karen? No, and I also don't solicit my coworkers to come to my improv shows. But you ruined. I was gonna do a whole bit about like how Karen's trying to guilt you into. It's not worth it anymore. Moving on. Next story. Not really a story because there's mad David's literally mad. like no news. But this is just to kind of make you aware, if you were curious, what the comic book video game release schedule is for the next uh, year or so. And uh, September 19th, we will finally see the release of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, a game that I have not really been paying attention to. <sighs> uh, just, you know, being honest. September 22nd, and sometime in October, we will see the release of the next two episodes of Batman The Enemy Within, which is the follow-up to the Batman Telltale series. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series, episode four is also coming out in October. Uh, we will also see, I've never heard of this property, but Battle Chasers, Nightwear, Night War. Ah, I can speak to that. Okay. To an extent. I do have the first volume of Battle Chasers. It was a comic that came out in the 90s by Joe Madureira, who uh, um, became a big name on the X-Men comics. Um it was a very well-received series that ultimately he never finished. Um, and I actually don't think that many issues came out, but from what was there, people really enjoyed it. And it's one of those kind of long lost, you know, ancient properties and comics that's probably, they'll probably never see the light of day again. Cool. Um, but I, 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 I haven't like looked too deep into the game itself, but I believe in, as an alternative, and I should mention that Joe Madureira went off to work in video games. So if you remember the game Darksiders, yep. uh, I believe he actually did the design work for that. Um, cool, cool. So he's um, turned, I'm assuming, the remaining Battle Chaser story into this game, which is basically something like an RPG type thing. Um, but it's kind of hard to describe, so just go ahead and Google Battle Chasers Night War and you can watch the trailers that are out there. Yes, you can. You can also, on October 17th, look forward to Rogue Trooper Redux. What's, is that Star Wars, I guess? I have no idea, man. I don't know what it has to do with comic books. <laughs> anyway, in November, we will see Episode 4 of The Batman Enemy Within. November 14th, we will get Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, which the Lego, Marvel, or the LEGO games are fun in general, and 
you know, I've enjoyed Marvel Super Heroes 1. December, we will see episode 5 of both Guardians of the Galaxy and Batman the Enemy Within. Those looking ahead to 2018, you can find Fables, The Wolf Among Us, Season 2, Finally, Thank God, uh, The Walking Dead, the final season, also from Telltale, and Spider-Man, which uh, we don't have a release date for yet, unfortunately, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Likewise, uh, and I can mention that Rogue Trooper Redux is based off of a 2000 AD property, Brit- which 2000 AD is a British comics anthology series best known for Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Now, so there you go. Uh, a game which we've only kind of vaguely heard about, and I have honestly forgotten about this. We're not even supposed to get any more details until next year, so I wouldn't expect to get an actual uh, game is the Avengers Project from Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics. Do you remember this being announced? I do remember it being announced. I think in the trailer it was just various Avengers items kind of broken up. Yeah, smashed on the ground. uh, For those that don't know, Square Enix is known primarily as the um, publishers of the Final Fantasy games, and Crystal Dynamics Uh... uh, is the studio... I mean, Square Enix is known for other stuff like Dragon Quest, but I'm just like Final Fantasy is probably their most well-known property. Crystal Dynamics, who is a subsidiary of Square Enix, I, I'm like pretty confident, yeah, uh, is mm-hmm. the the current um, um, developers of the Tomb Raider games, having two back-to-back well-received Tomb Raider reboots um, with Tomb Raider and Rise wait, of the Tomb Wait, wait, who are you saying released those? Crystal Dynamics. Square Enix. Also Square Enix. Well, Square yeah. Enix published them but crystal dynamics is actually the developer yeah they also have done the uh the deus ex and the hitman series as publishers for those who are curious about that yeah but they square enix is a very long very very long history uh and they have shown they can make really strong really good games so hopefully and you know let's be honest they've also shown they can make some duds but I think they have enough going for them that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can make something exciting and interesting. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, well, we'll be curious. I'm very excited to see whatever information comes there. And I'm sure we will talk about it right here. That's going to do it for our news story. So why don't we go ahead and dip our toes into some reviews? To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right. First up on our reviews, we always like to start with nick and this week he's going to be talking about the latest chapter of seven to eternity a book that he's never yeah. talked about before so. <laughs> shut up um take it away uh, yep so seven to eternity uh, i'm actually gonna kind of you know I'm, I'm not gonna like go on too long but i do want to talk about the just now wrapped second arc go for it um that that wrapped uh, with issue number nine that came out this week. Um, so for those who don't remember, Seven to Eternity takes place in a fantasy world where the God of Whispers, also known as the Mud King, has basically all but controlled the entirety of the land of Zal, um, not through uh, violence or armies, but through whispers, whispers, in the sense that he, he has a special ability where uh, if he makes you an offer or if you accept an offer from him, uh, then he, you know, he'll grant you your wish, but he also be able to see and hear through you. Oh, so he uses creepy. these powers to sort of spread dissent and has everyone fighting against each other's, not against him. Um, there was a holdout called uh, the Osidas family with Zeb Osidas, who was a contemporary of the Mud King, 
uh, who basically said, I'm not accepting your offer, and takes his family and goes off into exile. Fast forward many years later, Zebosius is an old man. His son, Adam, you know, is a middle-aged man, has his own wife and children to look after. Uh, and a series of events occur that sends Adam, who's also dying, on the trail of the Mud King to sort of end things once and for all, or so we think. Um, so catching up to this second arc, we have... Um, Adam in a group called the Mozak Knights. Adam is also considered a Mozak Knight, but everyone basically, because of the Mud King's machinations, everyone sees Osiris's family as as like these these great betrayers. Uh-huh. Um, so despite the fact that he's journeying with these these last remnants of the Mozak Knights, no one actually likes and or trusts him. Um, but they're actually on the way to this wizard named Torga to deliver the Mud King, who they've managed to capture, so that they can sever his connection to everyone in Zal. And then I guess they can kill him because right now if they try to kill him, uh, everyone in the world would basically die that has heard his offer. Um, so kind of pretty huge, serious stakes. Um, but what we found out uh, towards the end, nope, or at the beginning of this arc, um, was that in the course of their journey, the, the characters got into some really bad shit. And Adam ended up escaping with the Mug King himself because he basically said there is a... a um, what was it? Kind of like a a, a well of what's it called? The well of eternity. The I don't uh, know. What's the well? Not like the, the the generalized term, like the pool of immortality. The fountain of youth. Fountain of youth. I, okay, I guess it wasn't really the fountain of youth. I take that back. But basically, there's a pool somewhere that will heal all diseases. Um, and and Adam has decided to believe him and has taken the mug thing on his own to journey to this place so that he can be healed. Um, that's just kind of the broad strokes. I won't get too far far deeper into the, the second arc. There's a lot of really nice emotional beats, especially when you get to the final tape page, which was quite heartbreaking with a revelation um, that Adam has to, to present someone that he trusted um, that doesn't exactly go the way that he would have hoped. Um, but overall, fantastic art. Uh, you would like to hear this. Uh, two of the issues in the second arc were actually done by James Heron from Ooh. Rumble. So I don't know what's taking Rumble so long or like what the exact reasons that they're on hiatus for. But James Heron has been picking up work elsewhere in the meantime. Um, I didn't love his art, his his two issues per se. I love James Heron's style. And I don't know if it was just under tight deadlines that he was doing it. But comparing to some of the better art on Rumble or some of the stuff he did in the Hellboy universe, mm-hmm. it just something about it just didn't was just wasn't a hundred percent working for me. Um, and also compared to James, uh, not James, Jerome Pena's style from like, they, they have very, they're not similar styles. Mm-hmm. I don't think they clash a lot, but, uh, uh, Jerome Pena's style is a lot more grounded, gritty, and realistic. Whereas James Heron is a bit more cartoony and goofy, not in a bad way per se, but just very different styles. Um, but also works for this world. So like if this was a book that was launched with just James Heron, I think it would be equally as good. Um, but given what we were already used to, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but it was only there for two issues. Um, so still good, but overall seven to eternity, like many recommended books are books that, dig deep into the human condition takes maybe something that's kind of like from the headlines, so to speak, and then tries to wrap a whole, um, you know, narrative and mythology around it. And so far they're doing a really good job. 
downside is that you have to wait until February of next year for the start of the next arc. They're taking several months off in order to give Jerome Pena, who is traditionally a slow artist, enough time so that they won't have to do an arc break uh, in the next arc, uh, which uh, makes me uh, more sad than what happened on the final page. Um, but Aww. I am a big fan of this series, and I think you should all check it out. David, let's talk about GoGo Power Rangers. I just real quick want to say there's not been any news on a movement on Rumble uh, returning to comics anytime soon, it appears, and it'll be almost a year. October of 2016 was when the last issue came out, which is about the time that I got my tattoo. So... Uh, we hope it comes back, got huh? That got that like going. Nothing, for nothing me. on John R. Crudy's Twitter page or anything. I'm sure he gets asked all the time. Uh, I actually don't know if he gets asked all the time. Uh, I mean, I asked him occasionally. I asked him a while ago, and he said he was hopeful by the about the end of this year. But I was looking at the actual Twitter for um for the Rumble, like Rumble image is the name of the Twitter account, and there was nothing there. So, <sighs> unfortunately. No news at this time. I'm looking That's right a shame. Now, hopeless. Yep. It really, really is. It's a book that I obviously love dearly on all. Some real cute doggies on John Arcudi's Twitter. Now we're here about let's talk about Go Go Power Rangers. Now I've talked a little bit about the Power Rangers series that is also being uh, published by... I'm forgetting if this is... Yeah, this is Boom Studios. So this is... Uh, I guess I, I don't want to say companion to that. So that power, the, the, the Power Rangers series, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series, is basically the Green Ranger Year One that is telling the story of just after the Green Ranger became the Green Ranger uh, and what happened after that. All this real crazy stuff that you never knew about apparently watching the show, including time travel. Um, but what if we did like the same thing for the rest of the rangers i present to you go go power rangers which starts with the first time the power rangers fight goldar with the megazord so just after they become the power rangers and become victorious and they call this event arrival day better than the incident as a name still a stupid name but arrival day for arrival when the day. first appear I guess. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this book takes a look at the Power Rangers just after they become Power Rangers. The first two issues are out. Issue number two came out last week, so yes, this is kind of an old book, but I'm still going to talk about it. Um, our creative team, just to give everybody the credit they deserve, uh, Ryan, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing anybody's name here, Ryan Parrott or Parrott, uh, Dan Mora on art, colors by Raul Angulo, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. In this story, what we have so far is, well, the Rangers trying to cope with being Rangers. Uh, you know, everyone's parents are getting a little bit stricter. They're having a hard time trying to figure out what exactly are their superpowers. What can they do? What can't they do? And of course, there's like the three tenets of being a Power Ranger, which I can never really remember one is you can't reveal your identity to anybody uh which i don't know if they ever actually explain why that is uh you can't like 
use you can't escalate a fight in your unless your enemy escalates at first and like you can't use your power for personal gain or something like that so those are like the three rules of being a ranger i don't know why i remember that or why i decided i need to express that on this podcast at this very moment uh in these first two issues, there's not really a lot of action. Rita's not really doing a whole lot. She's, you know, the wheels are turning. She, by the end of the second issue, she's putting a plan into motion, uh, but we don't really see anything happening. It's just kind of more dealing with the Rangers figuring out what has happened to them and a little bit, but not really, I don't think enough dealing with sort of the bigger picture of Angel Grove. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, this book also introduces Matthew Cook, the guy you never knew who was apparently dating Kimberly at the beginning of the Power Rangers TV show when the Power Rangers became Power Rangers. So they introduce that she has this boyfriend uh, who seems to be pretty central to the story, I imagine might die to try and give this story some sort of like gritty teeth and be like, ah, oh, look, being a ranger is super serious. Or it's going to be like how, you know, it's going to be that pivotal moment of Kimberly has to choose being a ranger over or being with her boyfriend. And she's going to pick being a ranger because that's about saving the world. We'll get to it. Something dramatic is going to happen there, though. I can I can feel it. Um, it what I, and kind of what I was saying, I, I wish they would kind of paint a little bit picture of uh, Angel Grove because we kind of see... We don't really see any characters in this comic that we never saw on the TV show. And I think when you have a comic, you have a really nice chance. And I, I don't know what restrictions are on these creators of what they can and can't show, you know. Um, but it would have been kind of nice to see, like, how is everyone else dealing with the fact that there's now giant robots that, mm-hmm. like, are in the city. Uh, and, like, weird clay monsters that can attack at, like, any point. Uh, how you know, we hear that the Rangers' parents are being really overbearing, but we don't meet, at least in these first two issues, any of the Rangers' parents. Uh, they are kind of trying to give everybody some, like, personality quirks. You know, Trini is in love with Jason and also, like, super afraid of heights. Uh, Zach is still the cool black one because they don't know what else to do <laughs> with a black character in comics uh, or in most, like, media stuff. Just make him the cool one. Uh, that everybody loves and wants to be around. Jason's, like, super stoic and serious all the time. Billy's a nerd, and Kimberly's kind of like the valley girl. So, you know, all the stereotypes that you uh, wanted and remember. And they're, like, trying to do this thing where they're kind of over-explaining stuff, like the risk communicators they all have. They're showing Billy building it. Okay, that's fine, but I didn't need that plot hole being filled in. I didn't need Rogue One being created just to explain why there's a hole in the Death Star. Like, I accept that these things exist. Zordon, the dude from space who's a floating head in a jar, gives them communicators. Yep, I'm good. I don't, don't know what you're trying to give me with this. Uh, it also has some sort of, I, I think, kind of outdated views on masculinity. Uh, because they have at one point where Kimberly's boyfriend's like opening up to her about all these thoughts and feelings that he has, and then she has to go be a Power Ranger, and they're talking later, and he's like, I was expressing things to you, things that guys aren't supposed to express. And I'm like, bro, it's 2017. 
look at any teen drama, every boy is expressing himself everywhere, and that's not a euphemism. Uh, what this kind of reads like to me is that they they read Archie and were like, let's do that, but Power Rangers, and they're not quite hitting the mark. I really appreciate the effort. I don't think this is a bad book. I think it's fine. Uh, it's not egregious or really bad, but it's not wowing me at this point. We'll see kind of as the story progresses and uh, some of the like, more action set pieces get in here, and we'll see which ways they deepen the story. But for right now, it's 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 just okay. So that is Go Go Power Rangers if you are a Power Rangers fan. Uh, I would suggest waiting until the first arc is wrapped up and getting that in trade paperback. But you should be reading the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, regular series, which is real, real good. <clears throat> anyway, this now brings us to the point in the show where we talk about a book that we both read. And this is another book from last week, uh, but it was kind of a, a dry week for both of us. We didn't pick up a lot. Uh, but we haven't checked in with this series in a little bit, and that is Saga. Issue number right here. 40, oh, I love 40, that issue. Uh, 46. Issue 46. Nick, what's what's going on in Saga right now? Well, um, jumping a wee bit back to the previous arc, it ends with uh, Alana uh, having a miscarriage um, during a particular turbulent event in the book. Uh, and this latest arc has them on sort of a backwater desert kind of okay corral western type planet um where they've sought out abortion town in order to get the dead fetus inside of her extracted and um yeah and it also is causing problems for her right right one interesting thing that it's doing is that because the baby what is both a mix of wreath and landfall um and wreaths the moon, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because this half wreath and the baby has died inside of her, apparently that has sort of imbued her with some of the magical properties that uh, natural wreath citizens have. So she's actually exhibiting things that only Marco was able to do, which is like cast spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a particularly poignant moment in this arc, um, one a, a particularly powerful spell on wreath is the ability to project like a vision of the future uh, and what Alana has done kind of unconsciously has created sort of a ghost of her unborn child as like a young boy. Um, and this, and, but this, this vision isn't just like something that they can see and not interact with. This is like a living, breathing, albeit kind of like a hologram, you know, entity that's now interacting with Hazel and like playing games with her and is like, mom, dad, like I'm, I'm your son. Um, the downside there is that, by c- continuing to project this um, sort of phantom, so to speak, uh, Alana is risking cardiac arrest on top of also trying to get a dead fetus out of her. Um, so needless to say, a lot of cool poignant stuff. Uh, the arc is still ongoing, though I think we've got an issue or two to go before the next hiatus. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately what we're left with is just like a lot of character moments. I feel like this book has taken a break from some of the really big sort of overarching political stuff. And it's just focused on like Alana needs help. We need to get her help. Let's deal with the more immediate situation and what the characters are doing while all that's going on, like Petrichor and Prince Robot um, on this particular planet. Yeah. Well, and you say you're taking a, a, a break from the political stuff. I would say that no, they definitely are not. 
but from the big picture, like war narrative, and they, you know, they still they're still talking about the social issue of abortion. Uh, in, well, when in I say political, I mean like political, as in the, yes, the war between landfall and wreath, um, in the sense that we're not following like the the rebels, or we're not following the two like we're not following another story of the the two armies trying to go after them. This is just the existing protagonists, so to speak that are on this planet trying to figure out like basically one specific goal and oh except for what's in the immediate area they're not like on the run very very true no no it definitely is it is a much uh tighter story there there hasn't been hints of like in any minute now one of the armies or a freelancer is going to come down there and mess up their stuff uh they're dealing with the threat of the like weird centaur people uh, and the guy who totally had sex with a centaur woman, um, which they have like a weird half middle way kid, neither here nor there. Wait, what? Well, the kid kid was the same as the mom. Like he had a bottom no. horse body. Well, and... yes, he did, but he's like halfway back. Oh, was he? I I didn't pay attention to that part. Yeah, as if he was like riding the horse. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so there, I mean, there still are things coming after them at any given point, but it's not, yeah, like it's it's not like the the big giant threats. And I like that they're kind of taking some uh, small character moments here. Um, I especially enjoy the interaction between Hazel and the little boy whose uh, name I can't remember. Curdy, uh, which he took the name of her friend that was on the uh, fan, oh, yes, the yes. asteroid that was destroyed last arc. And they just have this like these real sweet little moments, like especially as he's like starting to disappear, and you kind of see the uh, I don't want to say like the strength of Hazel, but uh, yes, the strength the of resilience. It, the resilience, yeah, like she's been through so much terrible stuff that like when she says goodbye, like goodbye, baby brother, she's not like all like depressed and like confused and like i don't understand she's like that's another person now who has left my life right because that's a thing that happens to people in my life and and as older hazel narrates talking about how her parents always told her not to get too close to the people that come into her life because they won't always be there which Mm -hmm. is like i feel like we've never actually heard sometimes like adult narrator hazel says things that like her parents said or behaved that i feel like don't at least currently with her current age contradict with how they're acting so it's also interesting that adult hazel is giving us feedback on her parents in ways that we have yet to see them exhibit because right now i mean even the parents marco and alana have been through a lot Mm -hmm. you know but hazel's still only like what four or five years old maybe um maybe maybe six i don't know i've lost track you know but Presumably, if, adult, if we say that even if adult Hazel's in her 20s, if not 30s or even older, but whatever. But, like, you know, we're talking about, like, her whole teen years, possibly her early 20s of, like, that's a lot more crap for Marco and Alana to go through. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think that, like, how her parents are going to change if we if the story ever, you know, if we get to see that the story progress that far. Yeah, which yeah. I'm assuming we will, but it's, it's just interesting to think about the hate that adult Hazel knows versions of her parents that, that we're not familiar with. Well, it could, it could also be because we're, I mean, we're also seeing the more perhaps interesting parts of their lives. You know, we don't, 
um and yes she still is fairly young but we don't see like the mundane traveling that's always going on or like the day-to-day necessarily because there have right. been chunks of the book where they've been places for months or presumably even like a year uh that we just don't see so like what is happening in that time we don't know right uh, right i mean there's been huge swaths of hazel's life already between birth and being like six years old yeah that you know, that we haven't seen parts of it, as you said. I, so it's, I, I, I'm yeah. sure there'll be continue, more time jumps as the story progresses. I feel like there um, might be another one after this arc, even. Yeah, possibly. I got this feeling of that. Uh, so let's talk about the romance. I don't really want to say romance, I guess. Um, I, I'm sure it's doomed to fail. Yeah, but... Or it's the, just a flash in the pan, but go on. Yeah. Uh, the, the passionate meeting of Prince Robot and I can't remember Petricor Petricor uh who is uh transitioning I believe is the the correct the one thing that I I've I've either forgotten is I can't remember if she he or she is transitioning from male to female or female to male I I know that it's male to she has a penis but this is um, not we're not the right people to fully discuss (laughs) This, but anyway, what we're trying to yeah, we're just trying to kind of get a lay of this character because that's a, that's an important part of this character. Uh, they are depressed and want to die, which actually I, uh, is a very unfortunate reality for a number of trans people uh, right. dealing with that situation. Um, and Prince Robot is just messed up and super. He's a hot mess. He's been a hot mess weird, since day one. Weird and depressing. Though also hints that the robot people can change gender. Well, he so he makes a comment being like he 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 <laughs> even though Petricor wasn't open about it that he pegged Petricor as being transgender no. early on. There is also um, a line, and he makes a comment about how he can be fluid, which he has the ability to change his, his arm from like a hand to a cannon to a cup. So. <laughs> Yeah, I like that little bit. But yeah, just like between us, I have always been rather fluid. Now, I think I'm actually curious um, if that means like he can kind of change out bits of him or if that means like sexually he's been fluid. Which which maybe we'll find out next issue if they show us the aftermath of their embrace. There, um, there was, well remember there was that one issue where he was like knocked out and they showed like the gay porn on his screen well they show gay uh, porn but that could be that's other male robots having sex with him but but it's, but it's also interesting from a robot from their sort of their species perspective in the sense that like he's like he's known as prince robot there's king robot like yeah. they're not like he doesn't exactly his, his name's not dan you right. know what i mean dan prince robot dan um, Prince Robot Dan, um, you know, so the idea that they the his society seems to have sort of hard lines as far as a person's sex or gender, um, but if they do have the ability to actually switch their gender at will, that's also very interesting. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, we will find out next episode what he actually meant when he said that he's fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than he could probably generate a dildo from his hand. Um, oh, he can do so many things with that hand. <laughs> it's a pretty magical hand. Um, What's interesting with Prince Robot, a character that I definitely enjoy, is I feel like in the in the previous arc, I think he admitted to having feelings for Alana. 
Yes. And I think it was even addressed in the first issue of this arc. You know, Ilana's pissed at him because he, I think he shows up drunk on somewhere, I think on, in, on the Fang arc and it like almost shoots someone. Like I think he shoots a hole in the, the ship or I'm, well, I'm, he's, he almost, while. he almost kills himself. Almost like, kills himself, but I think he also almost kills Marco or something. Yeah, he expresses feelings for Alana and then goes to try and kill himself. Right. Uh, yeah. And Alana's like obviously pissed at him. Like at the beginning of this arc, she was like, I want nothing to do with you. Like, get out of like, my yeah, face. So it's, totally kicked him out. So it's interesting that he's just, I mean, he's clearly a very complicated and messed up guy right now. So, I mean, and, you know, feelings and sex and all that stuff can be very complex. So the idea of him kind of turning around and being like, we're basically, you know, with Petricord, like we're both lost souls. Like I think they just kind of recognize maybe a lot of similarities in each other. Like they they were having a conversation beforehand, you know, prior to the embrace, basically talking about a their culture. Like the robot kingdom hates Wreath. Uh, also, the the robot kingdom. I think we learned in this issue. I don't remember being brought before. Actually, was allied with Wreath before going over to landfall mm-hmm. robots feel that they were betrayed by re re feels like they were betrayed by the robots. So, but it's also, but it also feels like they were um, discussing similarities between them as much as their differences. Um, yeah. And then of course the spark happened. Prince robot needs so much therapy. So, so much therapy. Right, where's his son again? Is it living with Gus? He is his son living with Gus. I believe so. I don't think anything bad happened to him. I think, but I feel oh like there boy. was there was an, there, a recent cover had Gus on it, and they were visited by someone. But I can't remember how that shook out. Yes. Oh, this is uh, this is gonna drive me crazy. So we will go to the Saga Comic Wiki. Uh, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna see here. I'm going to keep vamping while I'm looking through. All right, so Squire is a son. Squire, right. Uh, yeah, so Squire, I believe, is still alive. Um, you can Rod to help. Yeah, so he was with, yeah, he's with Gus because uh, Prince Robot was living with Gus for a while. Right. Like hiding his son and protecting him because he doesn't want his kingdom getting a hold of him for some reason. Oh, I, I think Robot... I think the kingdom's actually trying to take out Prince Robot, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you remember what King Robot looks like? He's like a giant, fat TV. Like, yeah, he's a huge screen on a giant, fat body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, so... I do remember. Well, now, now can their screens change, then? Because the screens seem to indicate class... Right. Well, if they're if, if they can generate, maybe there's something where by becoming the king, you have to take on more mass. It, maybe they'll a future arc will go deeper into the robot kingdom. I've also been slowly rereading Saga, mm-hmm. um, and touch like there were things that I was noticing in the first arc that paid off later, which was really cool. Uh, I don't, I rarely ever reread things, so it was uh, it was it was cool. Um, yeah, so maybe I've, I know I know there's bits about the Robot Kingdom peppered through like the second, third, and fourth volumes. I think um, so. I might be able to touch on that in a future episode. Yeah, they don't. It hasn't been brought up in a while. They do talk about it for a bit, and he was also on that one planet, the Pleasure Planet that I'm trying to think of, um, where like when we Sextillion. Talk- yeah sextillion where uh they had to like kick him out i think because like they're like yeah your people are gonna come try and murder you 
Uh, but, uh, yep, I remember that too. Uh, and I think there may have been some. He may have been uh, had had some male company in there as well. So yeah, I, th- I I'm really curious what that fluid thing. And like, there's so much about the robot kingdom now that we're talking about it that we just don't know. That's so interesting. Can he just change his arm? Can he change his entire body? Certain appendages. Certain appendages. Certain sexual organs. What does that all mean? <sighs> uh, discussing the sexual functions of, of robot alien people. species with, with TVs for heads. This is, where I, this is com- exactly where I thought my life would be at almost 30. <laughs> it's the only kind of conversations you can have with comics. Well, Nick, do you have any other thoughts on this issue of saga uh i mean ultimately saga is just that book that you know it keeps chugging along and that's a good thing you know like it it, whatever lulls there have been in this series have been very minor ultimately we have very well realized characters with a very strong authoritative voice both from the writing and from fiona staples art um so it's just kind of the book that like i know i'm gonna read it every time it comes out uh, maybe sometimes I'll miss a few issues and, you know, give me like two or three to read in one go, which is always a nice uh, surprise. But mm-hmm. Saga's, Saga's good shit. It is good shit. Yes, it is. And we'll maybe talk about how this arc wraps up or we'll check back in when the next arc starts back in a few months. But uh, either way, keep your ears tuned in here to find out our thoughts on Saga. And of course, you know, we're going to say it's good, but it's still fun to discuss you know even when it's just like it, we really enjoy that yeah it's good especially when you and i read you know one it's a book that we're both passionate about and because we've both read it we can actually have a formal discussion on it instead mm-hmm. of just telling each other about books that we've right. read um so well now this brings us to the point in the show where we have to ask ourselves a very important question you boys aren't nerds are you we are nerds and we like to recommend uh, typically nerdy things sometimes maybe not nerdy things while nick is trying to rack his brain to see if he has anything to recommend i'm gonna go ahead i'm pretty sure i did not talk about it on this show yet uh did i talk about the good place last week or last time we had an episode i uh, no, i don't believe you did all right so i watched this show that's currently on netflix there's 13 episodes the first season uh caught me off guard but was so good it's called the good place in which Kristen Bell uh, dies and goes to the afterlife, and there is a good place and a bad place, and she is in the good place, which is you know supposed to be sort of like heaven. Uh, the bad place would then be hell. Uh, but twist, she's not supposed to be in the good place. She's is actually a pretty bad person, and. So it's going through her trying to live through that lie while trying to become a person worthy of being in the good place. Uh, and she kind of enlists some other people in this throughout. And uh, it's it's got a lot of fun twists and turns. And the last, the last episode especially caught me so off guard. It was so good that I, I you have to watch. And it's, and it's funny all throughout. So you just have to go do yourself a favor and watch that show right now. The Good Place, it's on Netflix. I watched it in like a day and a half accidentally. I was like, I'll just watch the first episode and then just couldn't stop watching it. So Hmm. go ahead and watch The Good Place. Nick, do you have anything you want to recommend? 
Yeah, I'll actually recommend a book that it's been a little while since I've read it, but I recently recommended it to uh, another friend, so it got me thinking about it. Also, apparently there's like three other books in the series that I never knew about, um, but I'll at least start with the one that I have read, and the uh, this is a prose novel. It's called The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafron, a Spanish writer, um, and it's a book about a book um to kind of get into a little nitty-gritty it's it starts it starts with a young boy named daniel um and i'm gonna butcher the last name but it was like semper semper um but he, as a young boy his father who was a, a librarian or like a bookkeeper takes him to a place called the cemetery of forgotten books which is like this secret library in post uh spanish civil war spain um that houses just a massive collection uh, books that are being protected probably from people that would like nothing more than to burn them. Um, but sort of the rite of passage for being inducted into this cemetery of forgotten books is that you can walk around and find one book that you'll kind of be the keeper of. Um, mm. So Daniel, you know, walks through the library and finds a book called The Shadow of the Wind um, by an author named Julian Carax. And he devours the book. He loves it. Um, but then when he tries to learn more about the author, he finds that like this guy just like failed spectacularly, like has no other written works. No one really knows anything about him. Uh, and as Daniel get, gets older, he's like still obsessed with this really you know great book that he read and wants to learn more about the author. And this is where the story diverges because the shot, the book, the shadow of the wind, um, dovetails nicely into the actual history of the writer, Julian Carax and Dan and Daniel's sort of quest to unravel the, the tragic story of Julian, uh, and his, and his love who I'm blanking on her name, unfortunately. Um, but it, it's a, it's a sort of a, a, a Gothic span. It's very well written. Um, you know, very, very nice prose, but like almost cinematic in a way. Like I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie yet. Um, but ultimately like, but, but not, what's what I'm looking for? Not, it's not light. Like it's, it's definitely a dense read and one that like, but it really pulls you in. Um, and it's just, it's, it's been one of the books that I think about from time to time since reading it, which isn't always the case with stuff that I've consumed. Um, so if you do get a chance, check out the shadow of the wind by Carlos Ruiz Zefron. Very cool. Well, that is going to do it for our show. We would love it if you guys could head on over and drop a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this show. We don't ask for it very often, but getting the word out helps more people find the show. And well, that's what we want people to do because we also want to hear from these people. And you can send us your emails, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And of course, you can find out information on where to find us over at heckyeahcomics.com. Follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can follow me on Twitter at davluz. That is D A V L U Z. You can find Nick. Uh, oh boy, you can find Nick attempting to change his body like the robot people and become fluid. And of course, you can find us here next week, same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever. <laughs>